Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. I hope you're doing great today and what a rainy, ugly day we have, but I'm so glad you're here today. Matter of fact, I'm proud of you. You came to church when it was ugly outside. You must have a heart for Jesus. That's all I believe. And I want you to know that Jesus sees you. God sees you too. I I believe that God sees your commitment to come and honor him. And I believe he'll bless you. I believe whatever you came in with today, if it's heavy, you're going to leave with something greater today. I believe that. Also, if you're a guest today, I just want to say thank you for coming. Whole church, can you join us in giving a great welcome to our guests? Welcome. So glad you're here. Well, today I want to preach on the topic of fasting as I close out the series on growing closer to God. Fasting helps us grow closer to God. It helps us focus more on God. And and so I want to talk about fasting today and Some of you already are wanting to check out of this message, I know, because you're like, I don't want to fast, and I get it, I get it. Um, Sometimes you're you approach fasting as it's like it's really hard, and 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 you know, honestly, sometimes it can be hard. But but listen, I'm going to preach it in a way today that's not hard. All right, can you take that? Say amen to that. I like that. Listen, I don't think following Jesus ought to be hard. That's my opinion. I think it ought to be, there ought to be a grace to it. There ought to be a rhythm to it. Jesus said this about following him. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so I don't want to preach about suffering for Jesus through fasting today. So, but I do want to challenge you today to to learn to fast and to incorporate this into your life because fasting will bring powerful results into your life. Fasting will help you draw closer to God. And when you fast and when you humble yourself before God, I want you to know that God sees you. And in due season, when he sees you humble yourself and he sees you fasting, that he will raise you up. He will bless your life. He will do things in your life that you will only experience through fasting. In my 18 years of pastoring this church, I've never seen God ignore his people when we fast. And we have fasted over the years. And so each January, we talk about fasting in some capacity. And so this year, I want to bring up the topic of fasting today because when you fast, you're going to draw closer to God. And that's my heart for this series, that you would draw closer to God. I believe you'll experience a fresher walk with God. Some will see many answered prayers. Some will see experience miracles in your life. And I believe all of us that fast will experience the hand of God on us in a dimension that we wouldn't have without fasting. And so today I want to teach you that God rewards fasting. And that's my title today, if you're taking notes, A Rewarded Life. And I want to help us all have that rewarded life that God wants for us. And so if you're ready to learn about fasting and how it can reward your life, just say, I'm ready. Okay, you're not ready. I understand. I understand. Three of you are. Thank you, Jody. You're always ready. Harriet was ready. Um, Harriet heard it last service, so it's not fair. So she knew what she was getting into. Some of you are like, I don't want to say it because I'm committing to something. But listen, trust me, church. I'm not going to make it hard. So this time I'm going to ask you, say it like you really want to know. 
Are you ready? All right, better, better. Let's go to the book of Matthew where Jesus spends time with his disciples teaching them about spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits that are really important to our faith. And so in Matthew chapter six, three and four, it says, when you give. Now, did Jesus say, if you give? No, let me help you. That's a place for you to answer. I asked a question. Did Jesus say, if you give? No, he says, when you give. In other words, it's just an expectation that Christians are generous. And, and so for Jesus, he's working with disciples. He's teaching them. Somewhere along the way, he's already taught them about generosity. And so he's just kind of furthering the conversation when he, he says this. Well, when you give, guys, and he said, here's what your attitude should be, and this is what the expectation should be. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything. Remember, he sees you. He sees you this morning. He sees your heart. He sees everything. When you give, the Bible says he will reward you. There's a reward to our giving. Now, often when I see a word like reward, I like to dig into it a little deeper to, to find a broader context to what this is trying to teach us in the scriptures. And so I go to the original translation, the original language, which is Greek. And so the Greek word for reward is apodidomy. Oh, there it is, apodidomy. And that's the Greek word. The definition of it, though, I, I like this because when you think about God saying that he will reward us, what he's saying is he will repay. That's powerful. He will return or he will restore what is due. And so a reward, which the Bible says, is something that is returned or in a way obligated to give back. So as an example, if someone lost their little puppy and you put a sign on your fence, whoever finds my puppy, there's a $50 reward. And when someone finds the puppy, then there's an obligation to give that reward. And so the scripture is teaching there is a, a reward for those who give. Now, personally, I'm almost uncomfortable with the term reward here because I, I, I feel like it associates giving and us putting God in an obligation. And, and somehow that doesn't feel like my heart is right to where I can, where I can pose, impose upon God something because he is God and I'm not. But on the other hand, I don't feel I have the authority to change the wording of scripture. And God said, there's a promise behind giving. And he said, there's a reward for it. And so I would say it like this, that God notices our generosity and he will not fail to bless you when you give. Can I get an amen out of that? And so that's the first reward. And so we're talking about rewarded life today. And it says that when you give. Then Jesus continues his conversation with the disciples and he says this. He says that when you pray, again, did he say, if you pray? He did not. He said, when you pray, because there's already this expectation that believers are praying. But he said to them, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place. Where is the Father? He's in the secret place. You want to find the Father? You find him in the secret place. And he said, so go into your room, shut the door, pray, 
And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And so again, there's this expectation that we are praying. And when you pray in the secret place, when you pray in private, God will reward you publicly. Now I heard my favorite preacher, Jensen Franklin. I don't know if you ever listened to Pastor Jensen. He's a a great preacher. But he was preaching on this particular passage and he said that God can't keep a secret. And I like that. He's saying that God sees you. He sees you when you are in your prayer closet. He sees you when you are in your truck praying. He is paying attention in our prayers. When we pray, it draws his attention and then it says he will not keep a secret. He will reward you publicly. In other words, when he sees you in private, you'll see public victories in your life. Amen to that? So he said, go into your room. Shut the door. What he's trying to teach us here is that you need to find a place where you can get alone, free from distractions, so that you can concentrate on seeking God in prayer. In other words, he's saying, you know, don't pray while you're watching football tonight. Unless... Unless you're watching the Cowboys and you're interceding for the Cowboys to beat the 49ers tonight, then it's okay. That's the only place it's okay. Can I get an amen, Cowboy fans? All right, there's three of us here. Hey, the rest of you, you you be waiting on social media later tonight. We'll be telling you the score. It'll be fine. When you pray, he says, God promises that he will reward you. When you pray with the right heart, when you pray in this private place, when you seek God with a sincere heart, God says, I will hear you. I will see you. I will answer prayers in that moment, in that season of your life as you pray. Now, Jesus wasn't finished, so he continued his conversation with his disciples. And in Matthew 6, 17, just a few verses later, Jesus says this. He says, when you fast... Can I be Captain Obvious for just one moment? Did he say, if you fast? All right, thank you, church. He said, when you fast. He said, anoint your head, wash your face. He probably could have said, brush your teeth. That would have been great because when you fast, you get it. But when you fast, he says, don't appear to men to be fasting. He's talking about the heart here. Don't try to get all your reward from people. Wait on God to see you. And it says this, that your father who is in the secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God will reward you when you fast. I think fasting is probably one of the most overlooked, underappreciated, and underpracticed underpracticed discipline in our spiritual life. I think it's pretty common for people to talk about prayer and even giving and, and, and we, we go through those things coming to church and worship, but, but the, the conversation of fasting probably isn't like in the top list. And I think it's, it's underappreciated by us. And, and I was writing this and I guess I was just pondering because, you know, to, to be transparent, I probably haven't fasted in a in a great pattern in the last year or so. And, and I was just thinking as the spirit was bringing a little bit of check into my heart, I was wondering what have I missed this year? 
What did I miss last year because I didn't practice fasting? What, what reward, what, what answers to, to the prayers and what, you know, what could God have done in my life and in your life in our church body if we had, had practiced fasting? Because Jesus made it really clear that, that fasting should be as common as prayer, should be as common as giving. It ought to be as common of these things. And if it's not, he said, I'll reward those things. And if we're missing a part of it, what are we missing in our life? And today, I don't want you to miss anything from God. I don't want you to walk without one bit of God's promises and one bit of his blessings left on the shelf. We want it all. I want it all. I want everything God has for me and I want it for you as well. So we're talking about fasting. So what is fasting? What is it? Well, a good definition of fasting is this, that fasting eliminates physical aspects of our life so that we can focus more on spiritual aspects of our life. So fasting is about concentration. It's about spending time with God uninterrupted from other things in our life. Fasting is about saying no to some things that are maybe occupying our time, occupying our, our minds. And we're saying no to some things so that we can spend more time with God. Now, fasting isn't a, a hunger strike to make God do something. Fasting is about seeking God more than anything else. And fasting allows us to, to, to look at some of the things in our life that are, that are maybe, I'll say, hindrances to us getting close to God. Maybe there are things in the busy routine of life and, and we need a season where we set those apart so we can seek God a little deeper. The Bible doesn't specifically give us exact instructions on a single way to fast, but generally we find fasting associated with food. And the reason is, it's because food represents our physical nourishment and strength. And when we say no to food for a, a period of time, then we turn to God to build up our spiritual strength. And so we don't rely on just our spirit. I mean, we don't rely just on our physical life, but we, we build our spiritual life through fasting. There was a, a time when Jesus was about to begin his public ministry and he had just been baptized in the water. And it says that, that the spirit led him into the desert. And in this desert time, Jesus was fasting. He was fasting, doing a total fast and Somewhere in the process, he got hungry, just like you and I would. And, and the devil came and began to tempt him to break his fast, to tempt him to, to leave this moment of seeking God and to eat. And he said to Jesus, well, there's a rock. Turn that rock into bread and eat. And so Jesus made this statement in Matthew 4, 4. He said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what he's teaching us is that, that as believers, we need more than just physical nourishment. We need spiritual nourishment to be able to be and live and do all that God has called us to be and do. We need to have victories in our life and it comes from building our spiritual life. And we don't find that from feasting on natural things, but feasting on the word of God. And that's what fasting is all about. So what kinds of fast should we do? Well, I'll show you on the screen several types of fast. And so it says this, that, um, that there's types of fast would be food. We just mentioned that. 
A total fast is what Jesus was doing. It was basically water only. If you're going to do a water only fast, uh, you need to probably be sure you're healthy and you know you, you can handle that. Partial fast, partial fast would be like a Daniel fast. We've talked about Daniel fast before in this church and, and that would be a 21 day fast and basically it's fruits and vegetables and nuts and, and that's a partial fast. Then there's specific fast and maybe your specific fast may be I'm gonna do away with sugar for a month or I'm gonna do away with soft drinks for a while or it may be something specific. It may be I'm gonna fast lunch for the next week and during my lunchtime, I'm going to pray and seek God. So that could be a food fast. There's TV fast. You can fast from watching TV at night and you can seek God. Social media is a drain into our whole being, but it certainly is not the best way to build our spiritual life. So we can fast social media. We can fast secular music. You could fast video games, whatever it may be that is, that is occupying a portion of your heart, portion of your time, and you can set those things aside so that you can spend more time with God. The book of Daniel gives an example of this in Daniel 6, 18. It says that the king returned to his palace and he spent the night fasting. So he was on a one-day fast, a one-night fast. And he says on this particular night, he refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep that night. And I found that kind of interesting that he fasted entertainment. And I wonder how many things are entertaining our, our minds, entertaining our days that we could set aside for a period of time so that we would have more time to spend with God. How long should you fast? Well, the Bible has lots of different lengths of fast. And so let me just put these on the screen. The verses are there. I'm not going to read the verses, but the Bible talks about a one-day fast, three-day fast, seven, 14, 21. Jesus was on a 40-day fast. And so the Bible just leaves room for us to, to hear the Lord on what our fast should look like. But why should you fast? What, what benefits are to fasting? And here are at least 10 benefits that I'll give you to fasting. One is it draws us closer to God. Listen, when you're fasting, you're going to set aside things so that you can draw closer to God. It works. Fasting releases God's rewards. We heard that. Fasting focuses our prayer life. So maybe there's some specific thing going on in your life and, and you, need, you need more prayer in that area. You need more focus in that area. So you fast for that particular thing. Fasting helps us more clearly hear God's voice. When you're fasting, your spirit person, the spirit inside of you becomes very sensitive to the spirit world around you. And so as you're fasting, you're going to be able to hear God's voice more clearly than at other times because you're more focused, you're more concentrated on it. And so your spirit will have a sensitivity to it. I remember years ago, one time when I was fasting and I was watching a show called Lost and just a, a little TV show and I was watching it in the middle of a fast and my spirit was pretty sensitive at this point. I was very aware of the supernatural around me. And as this show progressed into a, an episode that had something to do with some weird supernatural thing, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me clearly, say, stop watching at that moment. And it was because I was sensitive. There was something 
in my spirit that could pick up more on what was going on in a spiritual world. And so, and so there was a, a place to, to feel the spirit of God in a fresher way during a fast. Fasting will strengthen your faith. It will strengthen and give you greater results and miracles and breakthroughs. It'll mature spiritually. Fasting will humble you. If you've ever fasted for any period of time, you'll, you'll learn so much about yourself. And fasting is also biblical. We mentioned that. It's biblical. So why do we fast? So many reasons. So many reasons. I want to take you to the book of Matthew 17 to, to continue this conversation of why we should fast because I think it's important you understand the why so that you'll jump in and be a part of fasting in your life. So the Bible says in Matthew 17, it says the disciples... They came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? So what's going on is, is Jesus had been with a few of his other disciples. They'd been on this mountaintop experience. The other disciples were left behind. And there was a father that came to these other disciples with a son who had a demon. And the, this, the result of what that was is this demon was basically causing the son to have convulsions. And he was, he was being thrown into a fire. And, and so it was just a really terrible situation. And so... So this father brought his son to these disciples. The disciples prayed for this young boy to be delivered and nothing happened. The deliverance didn't come. And so later Jesus comes off the mountain. He finds the ruckus going on and they say, you know, we brought this, you know, my son to your disciples. They prayed, nothing happened. So Jesus prayed for him. The demon left. And after that, the disciples, they, they pulled Jesus aside and they were, you know, honest about this conversation. They're like, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we cast out this de demonic spirit? So Jesus answered them and he said to them this. He said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you had the faith or if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to that mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But then he goes on to say, but he says, however, this kind, this situation, the, the gravity of this moment doesn't respond or doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. And so Jesus, Jesus made this statement that there are some things that are going to require fasting in our life to see the result that we are praying for. Now, why did Jesus say that it required prayer and fasting? And I believe that if you see the context of this scripture, Jesus said that his disciples that were there were, were weak in their faith. It's like you, the faith, you didn't have the faith at this moment. He's like, there's weakness there. Now, obviously, these disciples were following Jesus. They had faith for their salvation. They believed in Jesus. But for some reason, they didn't have what they needed to break through to see the victory in this prayer. In other words, their confidence in God had become compromised, which meant their prayer was not powerful. Therefore, they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Now, some of you are kind of grappling with that thought about faith being decreased. And, and listen, I believe that our faith can increase and our faith can decrease. 
And, and you don't have to believe me. That's okay. You don't have to think the same thing. I'm right though. So um, you're, you're probably not right. And I'll just, I'll show you that. But I believe that our faith ebbs and flows in life. And, and I believe not about our salvation. You're saved unto salvation. You're sealed with, by, the, by the Holy Spirit inside of you. But, but I believe our faith that releases the miracles and our faith that, that moves the mountains, I believe it ebbs and flows at times. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, and this is why I'm right, said this. He said that, that it was his hope in 2 Corinthians 2.15 that our faith would continue to grow. In other words, he, he said, I'm hopeful that through the gospel and through the preaching and through your connectedness to, to Jesus and through all these things, that your faith would grow and not decrease. And so it's, there's a potential for it to increase and decrease. And we know that faith can increase. Listen, if you ever hear a powerful testimony about something that's happened in someone's life, the moment you hear that, often our faith will take a leap and we'll grab a hold of that and say, well, if God did it for them, then he can do it for me. And there's this moment of increase that happened in, in Pastor Gina's life 11 years ago, 12 years ago, four, I don't know, however long the first time you came to church, you preached about it, you know, last month or so. And, and, what happened was is they heard the story of how God had healed me and Jean and her family thought, well, if he'll do it for Tim, he can do it for me. And they responded out of faith and God moved. God moves through that. And so we, we can see our faith elevate. I love the, the story that we all saw displayed in front of us with, with Lamar Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills a few weeks ago. I mean, we have a, a football stadium filled with, with fans and, and we, we watch, I was watching on TV and this, this you know, athlete in the prime of his physical ability has, has his heart stop right after a tackle and he, he collapses on the ground and, and, and like for, for, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, they, they do CPR on this poor guy and, and, and the stadium is silenced around that moment and, and, and people begin to pray. And, and, and it's just amazing what happens to people when they hit the crisis, they begin to pray. Matter of fact, I, I think that God in heaven probably got a little chuckle out of all of this because there was probably a moment he heard about a high school coach who got fired for kneeling on the middle of a field and praying he got fired and God said, well, I can fix that. He's like, watch this. And suddenly we have this young man collapse and everyone, every sportscaster, every fan, every player had to make a decision. Do we want to play or do we want to pray? And I saw a nation, I saw people begin to pray. How powerful. Listen, it gives me hope for the great U.S. Because if if they can turn and pray, if we humble ourselves and pray, God can heal a land. And God healed this, this athlete. And he shared his testimony, gave glory to God. I saw an ESPN analysis sitting in, a, in the sports casting booth and, and they were saying, well, you know, we just need to pray. We just need to pray. And this one guy said, well, We've talked about the need to pray long enough. He said, why don't we just pray? And on national ESPN, he prayed a powerful prayer. 
And what happened was, is now millions of people saw the power of prayer. And people like you and I have always believed that God can raise the dead, but now we saw it just with everyone else. And now we have a nation where faith got elevated a little bit. And if we think that God can do it for a player on the field, he can do it for me in my situation. So faith can elevate. Faith can decrease too. What decreases our faith? Well, when we get really busy, when we get overwhelmed in life and we, we, we get disconnected from our spiritual habits and maybe we, we get stressed in life and sometimes we come under spiritual attacks and those things weaken our faith. It's true, that happens. When influences of the world are, are you know, attached to us, when we get plugged into things that, that generally aren't like lifting our spirit life, whether it be TV, friends, and social, me- social media, these things. I mean, listen, unless your head is like buried in the sand out there or you're just a reclusive monk, then, then all of these things are gonna be part of your life as well. As a matter of fact, it's normal to be, have all these things going on in your life. That's normal. And so what I'm saying is, is, is that our faith gets weakened just by being normal. Like, I'm not saying you're in sin because you, you watch TV. I watch TV. Uh, so I'm not saying that. I mean, I, I, if I can watch TV, you can. I mean, you know, obviously. But listen, listen I'm not saying you're in sin. These things, I'm going to watch the ball game tonight and I'm going to be praying then. But, but I'm just saying that all the things begin to distract us. All the things begin to pull us away. All the things begin to occupy our heart. And that's why Jesus said, we need a time to reset our spiritual life. We need a concentrated moment where we say, well, just for a little bit, just for a day, just for two days, maybe three, I'm gonna set aside some of these things that have been drawing me away and I want to reset my spirit life because it's been getting weak and I wanna build it back up. All these things have been draining me, but I want to fill me with the spirit. I wanna walk in more spirit and more of the supernatural than I do in the natural. And so what do you do? You say, I'm going to fast for a little bit. I'm going to take a season and I'm going to fast because listen, life is going to come at you and you don't know when, when, you know, you get a bad report. I don't know what 2023 looks like for any of us, but out of nowhere, you're going to encounter something and You're going to hear the bad news. Something's going to come. You're going to come under demonic attack at some point. And suddenly you're going to need a level of power that only comes through prayer and fasting to break through. And you need to be ready for that. I need to teach you that because there are some things that a quick prayer and weak faith won't get it done. You're going to need to have the spiritual muscles to power through some of the things that come at you. And there are just some things that are gonna require you and I to, to concentrate, to, to press in and to, to pray and to fast. Because fasting is that reset button on your faith. When you remove those distractions and you, you are saying no to some things that are not building your faith and yes to those things that build your faith, I want you to know that when you do that, that God will reward your fasting because it restores your faith. It rekindles your faith. It refires your faith in your life. 
And what God sees you doing privately in your prayer and your fasting, he says, I'll reward that. He will reward it. Fasting will give you victory in life that nothing else can do. And fasting is supposed to be a regular common occurrence in the life of a believer. Churches are not built on slick marketing and perfectly crafted sermons. They're built on the power of the Spirit of God. They're built on a church that prays and a church is strengthened by a church that fasts and a, and a, and a sermon is, is built off a pastor that prays and, and, and like we want the power of God. But your life is the same way. And I wanna encourage you today to, to don't wait until you're in a crisis to fast. It's not that it's too late, but wouldn't it be better if your spirit life was already full before you ran into the difficult situations in your life? Wouldn't it be better that when the enemy comes to attack, you don't have to try to fill up your tank before you can battle back? Wouldn't it be better you know, before you find out your son or daughter is going through something that you don't have to go fill up and now I can pray with power. It'd be better to stay full at all times. And so we need a consistent, everybody say consistent. We need a consistent pattern of adding fasting into our life. And so I just want to share with you this pattern that I think would be helpful. Number one, daily devotions. Listen, we have to be connected. I preached about connected in week one. We gotta be connected to God. And so I wanna encourage you to, to make a commitment to some type of consistent daily devotions with God. If it's two times a week, be consistent. Three times a week, be consistent. Connect to God. He is the, the vine, we are the branches. We need to be connected to God. Next, I wanna encourage you to, to have weekly worship. Come to church. It's so powerful to come to church and, and allow your, your spirit to be encouraged and built up by the friends around you, by the worship and by the word that is preached. I'm certain of this, that people who worship God in church will have a deeper connection to God than people who don't consistently worship in church. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ron. <laughs> And the last, I just encourage you as a pattern, monthly fasting. Maybe target the first day of the month, maybe the first three days of the month and put fasting on the schedule. We just don't do that. I don't know anybody that does that. And I would just encourage you that you put fasting on your calendar this year and put a regular pattern, make it an appointment so that you don't forget it. And what will happen is, is during that fast, you're going to set aside some things and you're going to fill up and your spirit life will be full so that whatever comes your way, you're ready. And I want you to be ready. I want to be ready because God rewards the ready. God will reward you. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Well, let me close with this one question. Do you think that you would experience more miracles, greater spiritual strength, and live more victorious if you're closer to God this year? Obviously, yes. And so it's up to you to make your commitment. How are you gonna do it? Come up with a plan and God will reward you.